Today's text is a first for me to preach on on a Sunday morning, so you guys get the second shot, which hopefully I'll know what I'm talking about by the time uh, this comes around. So, um, yeah, we're looking at Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40 this morning, and Philip and the Ethiopian. Um, let us pray and invite the Spirit uh, to enter our minds as we hear this proclamation. Almighty God, as we hear your word, God, may you open us uh, to new insights, to new wisdom, God, that we can apply for our lives today. Be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's verse from Acts gives me hope that preachers like me are still relevant and that evangelism using the St. Francis model still indeed works. When we think of, I think of a new pastor coming to a congregation, I think of the NFL draft. Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? I don't know about what happened here because I didn't have any insider scoop. But in one church, they put my picture up here on the board, on the projector, and then I had all the highlights of who I was. And, uh, but not all preachers can be Billy Graham. And I know if Billy Graham was applying for the call at first, you guys would have chose Billy over me. Thousands and thousands of people came to know Jesus as a result of his crusades across this land. Even though the theology is a little different than our own, his work for Jesus, I am sure, when he got to heaven, was you good and faithful servant. See, as Lutherans, um, we are kind of limited in our ability to say, you know, you need to know Jesus because we try to avoid something called decision theology. It's simply a belief that individuals must make a conscious decision to accept and follow Jesus, experiencing a new birth. While Lutherans believe that faith receives the gift of salvation. I believe it's more a play on words. Simply, as the Lutherans, we acknowledge that Jesus has done all the work, that we can't save ourselves, that we are messed up people in need of Jesus. And so not all of us have thousands in our congregations. In fact, Lutheran churches tend to be a little smaller, and that's okay. But here, Pastor Blue, uh, I believe in reaching the lost. I believe in preaching the good news. And today, the, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is this story. It's the story of God using Philip, taking him apart from the thousands who were being saved in Jerusalem, to be set apart to go to the Ethiopian eunuch, to spread the word of Jesus Christ, the good news, to the one. And I don't want to get ahead of myself here. But it brings me back to the last couple of weeks of sermons that we really should have titled a sermon series called The Models of Evangelism. Because every week we have heard different ways to spread the good news of Jesus. And today's method by Philip is by far my preferred method. I don't know 
if I could preach in crowds of thousands of people. But I can tell you, with the Holy Spirit, anybody can do it, not just me. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the reason why we proclaim the word on Sunday morning. So we're going to talk about this evangelism method that God uses Philip for in today's scripture. See, in our first point, and don't worry, we only got three today, not five. God directs Philip to a certain location. See, I'm going to requote us here. 26 to 28. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, that desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So we know where he started and where he's going. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. So when we first begin to read this text, what pops out at you? For me, it's the fact that Philip is spoken to by the angel of the Lord. Now, the disciples, we know every time they saw a ghost or an angel, they were terrified. But notice Philip's response here. He was obedient every step of the way. There was no questioning. He doesn't stop the angel and ask, why must I go south? Why must I not go where the thousands are being saved in the temples? But instead, the scripture tells us in verse 27 that he started out and on his way, he met a very wealthy Ethiopian eunuch, a man. And now we know that this eunuch was in Jerusalem and tried to go where the masses were to hear the word of God preached. Now, I want you to think about this. Think of somebody that would look very strange coming to worship here at First Lutheran. you got to put on the judgmental hat. And they were to come through the doors, and we would turn them away. Now, what a tragedy if we would do that. But that's what happened to this eunuch. But this is why. See, in Deuteronomy 23.1, it says this. No one who, be, who has been emasculated by the crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. See, we know that this eunuch was castrated for a specific job in the queen's court, the job of finances. These eunuchs were highly trusted individuals. Why? Because they couldn't have any children on their own. They have no family. They have no connection. And so Philip is led to this man who has been rejected by society, by the Jewish leaders in the temple, who has been castrated, emasculated, but was searching for answers. And I want you to think about your own life, maybe one of those low of low moments where you needed Jesus and you reached out. For me, I think of those Gideon Bibles in hotel rooms Maybe it's somebody that went on for a, for a job interview, for example, and didn't get it. And they go back to their hotel room that night depressed, difficult. Maybe they're down on their luck. Maybe they're homeless. And they open up the Gideon Bible that's there in the hotel room, and they find hope in the words of Scripture. 
See, it tells us in this text this morning that he was reading through the book of Isaiah. He was reading through the book of Isaiah, trying to find answers. And here comes Philip, sent by God from the masses after the one lost sheep, like we read in previous Sundays. That the shepherd searches out that lost sheep so they can be part of the flock. That's exactly what is happening with this eunuch this morning. And praise be to God for this. See, in our second point, God directs Philip to a certain man, a specific man, in verses 29 to 34 here. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. Now I want to highlight here, let's, let's bring this back to modern days. Imagine the Lord, you're leaving the Costco for the day. You've done your shopping. And the Lord says, you know, I want you to go over to that red Jeep over there. And just, just pay attention. And you get over there and you hear someone reading scripture. See, Philip didn't hesitate, right? He continued to be obedient. He says, leave, go to the desert. You're going to find this chariot on this road. And you're going to just listen. And then Philip asks, do you understand what you're reading? And he responds, the eunuch, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to slaughter and a lamb before its shear is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. But the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip walks up to the eunuch, I believe at, a, at the perfect time is this, and we know he's quoting this passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 53. I'm going to read verses 3 to 9 for you this morning. And it says, He was surprised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised, and we held him at low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by himself, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter. And a sheep before the shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. But oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had no violence nor any deceit in his mouth. See, in verse 34, the eunuch said to Philip, 
About whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? In which Philip responds, I am sure by stating it is someone else. Because in 35, it states, Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus Christ. It was God who sent Philip to this broken man full of wealth at such a time as this to explain the word of God. And according to the verses we just read, it says that Philip sat next to him and walked through the word together. It's one of the best models of Bible study and evangelism. I want you to think about a time where you've studied the Bible with a friend. Just you and one other person. And maybe you haven't had that, it's, again, one of the reasons I advocate for Christian camps uh, around this country, which is so sad when they start closing, uh, because I can tell you so many late-night conversations with peers and with teenagers over the years of the Word of God. See, we can't expect a non-believer to understand the Word. Why? They don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. We have a responsibility as believers of Christ to be able to bear witness to the word. So when a non-believer reads something that sounds very strange to them, we can help interpret that scripture. See, we as pastors need you all, the marketplace ministers, to be in the world to be the interpreters of the word. Because uh, just yesterday, uh, there was a study done by the Barna Group, and it talked about preachers in society with jobs that people respect. And do you know where pastors were on the list of respected jobs in this country? Down. Yep. We were right above used car salesmen. So I spent all this time and energy to preach the word, and I'm just a little bit better than a used car salesman. Why? Because we have crooks. And we have wolves and sheep clothing that make us all look like horrible people. So they trust you more than they trust me because they're not believers of, church, of Jesus. They don't come to church. They don't have a, a relationship with a pastor that they can trust. And some of these people have had relationships with pastors, and those relationships ended south. They were not good. And so I need the congregation I need the ministers of the church, of the marketplace, to go out and spread Jesus. Because you have a relationship with these people that is far better than a used car salesman, right? We need the word of God interpreted. As Martin Luther said, um, it is the word that transforms the lives of the people. It is the preaching and teaching of the word that brings people into a relationship with Christ, right? It's that and that alone. And so we need to be able to preach the good news. So, you know, God has called each of you in some way to be a preacher. You might not have to give a 45-minute sermon every week, you know, or an hour sermon. You guys like those, right? But you can give a five-minute sermon. You can give a two-minute elevator speech about Jesus, Start re rehearsing it. Get that story of yours of how you came to know God in your back pocket. 
So when someone asks you, you know, why do you go to church? Why do you believe in Jesus? You can answer well. You can respond to this world that needs it. So you must ask yourself this morning, who is the eunuch in your life? Who is that Ethiopian that God is calling you to speak to today? And how do you respond obediently as Philip did? And lastly, our third point. See, the Ethiopian is then led to Christ by Philip, verses 35 to 40. And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of, my, of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized them. And when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Now, I want you to think about this. Me and you are in a lake together. And I'm about to baptize you. I baptize you, and then all of a sudden I disappear. How scary would that be, right? There's some scary stuff in the scripture this morning. And Philip, however, appeared and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. See, what a beautiful few next verses that Philip did not need the exact words from the Lord to speak. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was working in him and using him says preach the good news it didn't say philip say thus and so right it's it says that philip preached the good news told him the good news of jesus and he did it in a one-on-one -on -one conversation he sat in that chariot telling him the good news of jesus how many people can you do that with one-on-one -on -one. share that good news we read that the eunuch was so excited to know Jesus as they traveled along in the desert, they found water. Now, I've been to Israel. I have seen there is a lack of water in many places in the desert. The Dead Sea is pretty cool if you don't know how to swim because you just stay afloat. There's no way to drown. But most of the desert is dry. So I believe God, once again, provided this water that would then Philip would use to baptize the eunuch. Now, notice here that the eunuch did not go through a 12-week series on the sacrament of baptism. There's no prescribed curriculum by Jesus to baptize. In fact, they probably had a, maybe a couple-hour conversation, and then the eunuch says, you know, what's stopping me from being baptized? And he gets baptized right there on the spot. Now, if you, one of you this morning have not been baptized, no, there is nothing stopping you from saying, you know, I really want to be baptized. I really, my, my child needs to be baptized, etc. Come talk to me about it. See, tradition tells us that when Philip disappeared, as it told us in the verse, that he returned to his home country of Ethiopia preaching the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles throughout the land, converting the masses of faith to Jesus Christ. And we know today that Ethiopian Christians are some of the oldest Christians in the world. The majority of Christians, it's not a political statement, 
do not look like me, right? They're not white complected with blue and green eyes. A lot of our early Christians, in fact, look completely opposite from us. And um, I remember last year, one of my first students as a, I'm a spiritual director at the seminary, was from Ethiopia. And hearing the differences of my faith growing up here in the States, in the Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian traditions, and the difference of the Ethiopian Christians. Now, what's beautiful here is that Philip left the masses. He didn't care about being the star preacher of the day that could be the top pick on the NFL draft, right? He cared about being obedient to God. So he left the masses, went to the eunuch, preached the good news, and now we know that Ethiopia is 62% Christian, 62%. Now, if we were to compare that with the United States, I guarantee you they're, they're higher and active Christians than we are here. Um, that's about 112 million people that live in Ethiopia that are saved believers of Jesus. So, again, we must not be afraid of whom God sends us to speak to. Because God will give us the words to say. And likewise, there are consequences of being obedient or not being obedient. Perhaps that one person you lead to know Christ, to acknowledge Christ in their life, will lead to a hundred million people being saved. That one. You lead that one person. So, friends, in closing, I ask you to take this story from Acts of Philip and the eunuch, and ask yourself, where is God calling you to go? Who is God calling you to speak to? And who is God calling you to lead to Christ today? Because I believe if we're obedient, the 40% of non-believers in Dundalk, if you give me a decade, 10 years, and some of y'all might be saying, preacher, I don't have 10 years left. You know, I've got that from first service. I don't have 10 years left. But you give me 10 years, I believe we can turn that 40 to 30, to 20, to 10, and to 0%. I believe over the next decade, if we work hard, simply at being obedient to the word of God. And I believe we can see this. That perhaps that Dundalk, Maryland, this incredible blue-collar steeple of Baltimore can be the Bible Belt of Maryland, right? That when people drive into Dundalk, they know we're a bunch of crazy Christians in this area and that we will uphold the word of God before anything else. And as we look in the neighborhood and we see more and more young people buy homes, bring their families here. Um, I do not believe that we have an excuse why we as the body of faith cannot grow. We are in such a time as this. I mean, just yesterday, there was probably 30 young, young folks having a party behind our house at the house next door. There are people that are moving into this community, and we just have to ask if they're not here, why? Because I believe like like Philip, 
God is directing us this morning to this location, Gray Manor. We are called as marketplace ministers to Gray Manor. We are called to these people, broken, messed up, some just don't like the church anymore. We are called to them, and we are called to preach the good news to them. So this morning, my goal is not to beat you over the head with models of evangelism. I'm simply preaching the text. And the text is very clear over the last four weeks that we have a responsibility. And our responsibility is to preach the good news of Jesus. And we read in our gospel text this morning that uh, Jesus, that we are the, the vine and he is the vine. Um, let's see, what's the word here? We are the vine and he is the vine uh, pruner, right? So he prunes us, he modifies us, he trims us, he does everything he needs to do to make us bear much fruit. So God is pruning this congregation to bear much fruit. That's what the scripture says. That God is, is calling us to bring the word of God to people. Um, yeah, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, ESV says. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruits. And then in the epistle uh, reading this morning, uh, Beloved, do not believe in every spirit, but to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into this world. By this, know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ from God is not from God. And it goes on and on and on. It talks about how God is love and we are to be love, right? We are, God is love. And if we're not of love, we're not of God. So this morning we have a very simple, simple mission to go out, to spread the, the news of Jesus, the good news, so that others may know him as their Lord and Savior. So uh, I thank you this morning. I thank you for hearing the, the word from Acts. And I invite you to consider Philip and the eunuch and decide, am I going to be obedient in all things? Let us pray. God, we thank you for your holy word from the book of Acts. The opportunity to, to go to the lost sheep, the one God, who is that lost sheep in our lives? God, we, we ask you as a church, I ask you personally, who is that one, God, that you are calling me to leave the masses for? God, to, to reach out to, to call to your love. Who are those people and the members of this congregation that, God, they need a friend to, to reach out and, and tell them the good news of Christ? Help us be like Philip obedient in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.